You're listening to a Monkey Buns production. Hello and welcome to Alfie Pod's Fantasy Footy FPL Weekly Edition, the show for football fans who love to geek out in the official fantasy Premier League with a balance of stats, partisan opinions and football banter. Banter. My name is Alfie and I'm a live comedy entertainer and unashamed Portsmouth supporter who, having grown up on Soccer Supremos and Championship Manager, has now taken it upon myself to steer away from my modest draft success in order to conquer the most popular fantasy football game on the planet. Each week I'm joined by experienced FPL content writers from around the globe as they heroically lend me their skills and guide me through their philosophies and tactical choices for the fixtures that lay ahead. On this episode, we look ahead to Game Week 3 as the Premier League builds momentum just before the international break comes and cock blocks its progress. Still so many questions though, like, will Palace ever score? Are Spurs going under the radar? How totes Orcs was that cane reversal? How long is it till Antonio gets injured and West Ham falter? Will they ever falter? Why aren't you on the Hammer Express? Is there any other choice for captaincy? And is now the time to bring the freight train that is Lukaku into your side? And is it madness to captain him against Liverpool? These questions and more in our chatty football pie. Hello and welcome to the FPL Weekly. I'm, of course, Alfie. Also welcome are my guests, uh, calling all the way from Colombia, tentatively embracing Nuno's solid start at Spurs, and also his newly erected exercise machine that looks suspiciously like a sex wing. It's Will, a.k.a. Top Marks. How are you, Will? Fine, thanks, Alfie. It's not a sex swing. <laughs> I was, it's, it's just it's it's called a hammock. Oh. <laughs> it's a hammock, and and I had a TRX, which is good for using for using body weight exercises for keeping fit. What's TRX then? What is it? What's it mean? No, it's just a, it's just a it's just a, you know it's a TRX. It's an exercise equipment thing. You you hang it up somewhere, it gives you some ropes. You can you can adjust the length, and then you can do like you know clever things with your pull ups and your sit ups and your rows and things like that it's very exciting sounds very much like a sex swing to me <laughs> we'll go with it uh and also calling from that damn there in dublin a man who has enjoyed a distinguished and well-respected fpl career despite not knowing what the footballing phrase unplayable means it's matt kearney how are you matt i'm good at algae thanks uh have you learned what unplayable means yet um, I, I've been educated, yeah. I'm still not convinced, though. I'm, I'm not convinced that it, it should be years like that. I don't know. It does, just doesn't sound right. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, also calling from the Netherlands, a semi-professional footballer who is very much enjoying a solid start to the season, finding himself ranked at a joyous 46k overall, but a disappointing second place in the Alfpods League of Death by one point. It's Jordi van der Laan. Hi, Jordi. Hi, Elfie. You had you, you had to say that, didn't you? Well, yeah, one point. One point. Where did you lose that one yeah. point? Yeah, I think uh, I haven't seen his team. I think maybe Ben Rama. Mm, oh, it's a touchy subject well, for you, isn't although it? Although he did score more than one point, so could mm. be anyone else. And you guys all benefited, of course, from Antonio. Yeah. Which is very, very big time. Annoying. At what point is he going to get injured, though? Mm, could be next week. Yeah, he will be he will be out of my team the day after. <laughs> Before we get on with the show, let's do a quick uh, game week roundup for game week number two. Game week roundup. 
Liverpool rather predictably beat Burnley, but Salah didn't score. But Simakas made a lot of FPL managers more than happy. Danny Ings scores a super strike to make it 2-2 two two for his new club as Villa dispatched the Geordies 2-0. Big Pat's Palace dung nothing up front as newly promoted Brentford make it two clean sheets in a row to draw 0-0 at Sellers Park. Leeds and Everton play a ding-dong 2-2 draw with Rafinha and DCL showing they could be some proper point earners. Jack Grealish bellies in his first Man City goal as Pep's machine, with the assistance of Jesus, lay Norwich to the sword 5-0. On the Sussex coast, the Seagulls eat up the Hornets with comparative ease. Man United are still unbeaten away, but prove nothing to no one as they struggle to draw with Ralph Saints. Spurs just about continue their winning start with a Delhi 1-0 win away to Wolves in the Nuno derby. Lukaku bullies Arsenal on his return to the Chelsea side with Tuchel's men really looking like an unslayable beast on the hunt for the Premier crown. And as West Ham beat Leicester 4-1 in front of a packed London stadium, Mikel Antonio proves he's no cardboard cutout as his dirty dancing elegantly hammers through Leicester's foxtrot to take them to top billing. Game Week Roundup. Right then, lads. Uh, breaking news. Breaking news, of course. You may have heard. Um, Harry Kane is staying at Spurs. He sent out a tweet. <laughs> Can you hear that, by the way? Do, do, do. That's the sound of Harry Kane backing up and reversing. Uh, it was incredible to see the reception for the Spurs fans on Sunday <laughs> and to read some of the messages of support I've had in the last few weeks. I'll be staying at Tottenham this summer and will be 100% focused on helping the team achieve success. It's uh, a bit embarrassing, isn't it, Will? A bit embarrassing. He's staying at Spurs. That's that's great. Embarrassing that for him. Means, what a gumbo. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think I think we never really know the full story, do we? We kind of no. get little snippets of it in the in the media from the media. We make things up. Um, and uh, I mean, Harry Kane's. I'm very happy he's staying at Spurs. It's exactly what we need. He's the best captain choice for for uh, game week three. There you go. That's the podcast done. Okay, fine. Isn't it? A bit, <laughs> isn't it a bit awkward though? It's a bit like being at a party and just going, "Fuck you, lot. You're all bunch of twats. I'm leaving." And then getting outside, the taxi's not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> like, will his teammates? I mean, I'm sure they're under because they had the same sort of situation with Ericsson, didn't they, in his final year, I suppose. Well, I know the Ericsson yeah, I mean he he wanted to leave and then he was not completely committed. And then as soon as he left, he wanted to come back. So I mean, sometimes I think it's good for the team. I think that's what's most important. But Nuno's Nuno's come in, he seems to be building something exciting. Let's let's go with Nuno for a bit. Let's get Harry in there. He'll he'll score a few goals. He'll we'll definitely have a feel-good factor at um Tottenham Hotspur Stadium this weekend for the match and it's promising I think I don't know what to say we want to win trophies Spurs always want to win trophies <laughs> the fact that we haven't won trophies since the uh, since the Audi Cup in 2017 where, where we did beat um, or we actually are the current holders of the Audi Cup because it didn't take place then we beat Real Madrid and Bayern Munich in that so I think yeah. that should be counted as a fairly excuse. You're, you're the longest holders of the Audi Cup is that what it is? I think we we might be. Yeah, it might have been 2019 that we won it, or 2018. I can't remember the exact date. But um, look, we need we need players like Harry Kane to stay if we're going to challenge and win trophies and get into the Champions League, which I think is the most important thing for the club. Right. Okay. Let's not dwell on Harry Kane and the fact that his brother has never heard of a release clause. Let's move on and review some of the games we saw at the weekend as well as pushing ahead and assessing what we need to do this game week. And Matt, you watched Palace versus Brentford. What a game. Uh, Big Pat made bold promises about Palace being more attacking team this season, but they're yet to score 
Uh, seven shots in total against Brentford, two on target, one clear cut chance. Uh, could they be the side to target in terms of blanks against better sides? You know, they've got West Ham up next, then Spurs, then Liverpool. I mean, is there a chance they could go five games without scoring a single goal? Um, yeah, um, they've done so before. Um, if we go back to 2017, 2018, when Frank De Boer was there, mm. um, they went their first four games, they lost and didn't score a single goal. Um, so it's it's kind of, you know, reminiscent of that. Um, they definitely don't look sharp. Um, of course, yeah, they did get chances against um, Brentford. You know, uh, Gallagher um, hit the kind of post and it kind of ricocheted onto the crossbar as well. Uh, MacArthur had a decent shot from the edge of the box that just kind of whistled over. And Benteke, I think, had a header again that just went over. So they were kind of the three main chances. But um, yeah, they didn't look really great. Neither team looked great, to be honest. Um, it was a really drab game. I, I didn't watch the entire 90 minutes. I kind of zoned out uh, at times. <laughs> I, was that, I was that bored. Rightly so. Um, yeah, it's understandable. Um, so yeah, like, but. I definitely think it'd be a decent tactic looking at who they play. And, you know, if you have any defenders who play against them, you, you could be quite hopeful for a clean sheet. I don't see things changing against West Ham as leaky as West Ham have been. They, they kind of conceded a lot of uh, set-piece chances, nothing major, but they were losing a lot of set-piece uh, duels. Not not so much against Chelsea, but Brentford and I think last night. So that could be something to to watch, especially for the likes of Dawson and Obama and even Cresswell taking them for West Ham next weekend. I, I just I don't see how Palace can salvage anything. Even if they do manage to score against West Ham, I can see West Ham putting two or three goals past them. I mean, Palace are always an option to uh, to possibly be defensively solid, but you kind of get the impression that if they're not attacking, then there's a lot of pressure on that uh, defence, isn't there? Yeah, the, the the thing is, they're for expected goals conceded, they're not that bad. Uh, I think they're sixth out of all the teams that have played, and that's including the game against Chelsea. But on the flip side, for XG, they're the worst team. They haven't even managed to get over the the one point zero mark yet. Go on, then, Will. Yeah, no, I was interested in the in the Palace game. I thought it's Gallagher. I don't know, is he an option? Because he had a couple of chances didn't he, mm. against Brentford, and I was also on the on the Brentford side. I was. Tony had his chances from set pieces, but again, it looked like to me like he was dropping deep uh, and maybe isn't going to get that many chances from open play. Was that something that came across in the match? Um, yeah, I did think Gallagher was sure. At certain stages, there was a nice bit of uh, link-up play between him and Zaha, but, you know, they, they didn't pose any threats whatsoever. Um, well, sorry, I won't say whatsoever. Not, no clear-cut chances. Like, you know, even Gallagher shot that, that hit the uh, the post. It was kind of at a bad angle as well. If that had gone in, a lot of people would be been saying poor goalkeeping, you know, beating on the, the near side. Yeah, I don't know where Palace are going to go from now, whether they're going to lump balls up to Benteke and hope for the best or... They've got Mateta as well, haven't they? He's sort of similar player. Yeah. And that's, well, but what Brentford though, aren't they... I mean, they got two clean sheets in a row now. So is that more about them being defensively sound? Because like, I'm, I'm looking at them and look at their players. They've got quite a few options at 4.5. And by from what I, all the accounts I've read, it's it's no coincidence that they kept two clean sheets in a row. The one that rivaled them in terms of price would be Arsenal. And I'm thinking, is that a better long-term investment than Arsenal? I think as for Brentford, it's still a wait and see for me. Uh, the first game was there was the first game of the of the new season. They had the excitement of of being the first game and playing at home. Uh, they just promoted, so 
I think that's a bit of a, an outlier. Against Palace, yeah, we just spoke about Palace, Madrid, and quite a cagey affair. And Palace are used to be involved in a game with uh, with a few goals only. Yeah, I think Brentford, it's still a way to see for me. And Waymo on set pieces was encouraging, 5.5, and he got into the area a couple of times, I noticed. I thought that was oh, that was good. And I also wondered about Palace playing, trying to play the ball out from the back. Is that... Um, it's a Patrick Vieira thing. It's a Patrick Vieira thing. Is it a sensible tactic with the players they've got? No, if um, you look at the back line, I don't think so. Exactly. So I'm worried. I mean, they look confused to me slightly as a team. Well, that team is up against West Ham next. Um, a lot of excitement around the Hammers, deservedly so. A lot of excitement around players like Ben Rama and Antonio. Jordi, the question mark around Antonio has always been his fitness. Uh, is he here to stay? Is it time to go all in? Are you excited about West Ham? Well, yeah, I'm pretty excited to uh, having now having both Antonio and Benrama for the for the game against Palace because their last nine Premier League meetings against Palace have averaged more than three goals, and there hasn't been a clean sheet for either team in the last eight Premier League meetings. So historical results don't guarantee anything for the future, obviously. But yeah, it it also. I already got the feeling that this is a kind of game where we see West Ham going for it and then conceding a few as well, like they did against Newcastle. Yeah, we've got the excitement, haven't they, behind them? So Yeah, definitely. So we're all going all out West Ham, are we? I transferred Ben Rama in straight after the game. I, I really want to start with him pre-game week one, but yeah, I thought he had a good preseason. Uh, I discussed it with a couple of guys on Twitter, but... Yeah, in the end, I found a way to uh, to not include a 6.0 or 6.5 midfielder in my team. So uh, I stayed away from him, but yeah, I rectified that mistake Monday night. Mm, let's see how it goes. Let's go. Will, what do you think about West Ham? Are you going all in? Yeah, I've had Antonio since the start of the season. I've had Soufal as well, who we talked about last week, was maybe uh, was unlucky not to get an assist last week. Yeah. He did this week, so that was good. Uh, yeah, and I've jumped on the Benrahma wagon. Um Let's hope it doesn't derail you. Yes, I mean, as anyone who's had a great start of the season, you, you know, they've slightly overperformed so far. But uh, form is a thing. It's, it's as has been proven. Let's get on it and let's, let's get the form play and hopefully we'll get some more returns against Palace. And the atmosphere was better, wasn't it? It was really good, I thought. They were... D- and what they'd changed, although they were still far from the pitch, they still they'd were far flattened away, out. They? Yeah. <laughs> they, but they'd flattened out behind the goal, so it wasn't like a circle yeah. anymore. So they kind of they brought them a little bit closer, and they've got more improvements to make to the stadium. So, um, so it will get better. And obviously, the feel good factor in the stadium is great. And and Mikel Antonio just makes everybody smile anyway. So I think uh, <laughs> yeah. it seems like, it seems like a good place. I think it's yeah. And great, the thing is, the thing them. is. After after Palace, they have still they still got like three or four more games that that just scream for goals. I mean, yeah, playing yeah. against Southampton and Leeds, Man United yeah, at the exactly. moment is just yeah, it's calling for uh, for big scores. Yeah. The, the the only thing I'm worried about is um, West Ham have Europa League and it's gonna obviously we won't know who they have in their group and what fixtures they've got until what Thursday evening I think is the draws it. So I'm just a little bit worried if they have tricky fixtures between that Leeds games that, you know, they might try and rotate one or two players. So that's that's just my worry. I mean, it's great at the minute, Antonio getting, you know, one game a week. Um, my concern is when Europa League starts and the important games come around and he's pushed a little bit, you know. I'm just, uh, even watching him actually uh, 
watching him there the other night. Um, in the first half, I didn't think he looked great. And when he was sprinting for for balls, I was just like terrified he was going to pull up with a hamstring. Yeah, every I think that's time, just, right? I think, yeah, I think that's season as well. <laughs> yeah, I think that's just ingrained into me from the last couple of seasons. I think I'm of the opinion that you know if you've got Ben Rama and Antonio at the moment, you know, hold on to them, of course. But I'm not. I don't think the risks are going to outweigh the rewards in doubling up now. I'd just rather wait and see, especially with this international break stuff. You know, if there's a lot of kind of ifs and buts, if Antonio gets a call up from Jamaica mm. and, you know, players have to quarantine if FIFA put their foot down or the, the UK government say we're not changing anything, you know, that's going to put Ben Rama and Antonio into question for game week four, possibly game week five, especially with the champion, with the Europa League games around. So, I definitely just want to wait and see over the next few days, see how things go before kind of making any big decisions. Yeah, it's a good point. Antonio is so important to that team as well. I think he makes it tick, doesn't he? And you kind of think without him in the side, I mean, Lingard could possibly play that role, but he's not as strong. He can't take on the two centre-halves. He takes two centre-halves out of the game, does Antonio. Just looking ahead to this weekend, um, I I was kind of touching on, um, you know, Palace kind of conceding a few chances from, from set pieces. Um, they, they haven't really conceded anything major at the minute, but I think there's a lot of kind of aerial threat in the West Ham squad, you know, that that could be something they could exploit, especially Dawson. He had, I think, four chances in the box there uh, against Leicester. Um, so, you know, he's one to watch. Of course, they've got Su- Suchek. West Ham are still looking to add uh, Kurt Zuma from Chelsea. So that will only uh, increase their appeal on set pieces. And and increase their clean sheet appeal, the, the appeal of Soufal as well. You think? I think so. Well, if they're more likely to get a clean sheet, well, I mean, the logic being, if they're more likely to get a clean sheet, then Soufal's a better option because he's always yeah, but, an attacking I mean, option. It was more of a question with regards to Zuma. Do you think he's a, he's a good defender? Which will... Yeah, I think he's a good defender. He did, okay. I mean, he did, he did well at Everton as well, didn't he, when he was there? Uh, and Will, what is the situation? You, you seem to be down with the old UK COVID situation. What is the situation with that? Well, as someone living in a red list country in Colombia, <laughs> um, I think what people don't realise is that there's a real you kind of because you kind of you paint a country as a red list and you think, oh, well, that means the whole place is is terrible, but there's a real socio-economic dynamic to COVID, unfortunately, as there is in many places in the world, where um, people living in the poorer areas are disproportionately affected by COVID. And that might be because of living conditions, because of access to healthcare, diet, lifestyle, all that kind of stuff. But they're disproportionately affected. So the footballers, when they come over and play these international matches, are not going to be going, you'd expect, unless they attend a big wedding like Mohamed Salah did last time, but they're not (laughs) going to be going to these areas. So it's, it's... so the problem becomes, I think you could let them go, but then does that send out the wrong message politically that you kind of send, well, it's okay for elite footballers to go to these countries because they're going to be staying in kind of bubbles. They're not going to be going to the areas that are affected uh, as badly. Um, and therefore they could come back. And what message does that send out to, to other people? The other, and the viewpoint from South America, of course, is, well, UK has not been seen to do very well with COVID anyway. There's a variant that emerged in the UK. Yeah. So... The fact that the UK is now saying you can't come and play for your country is, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's hypocritical. So the stance, I mean, it's kind of what you realise when you leave the UK and you live in another country. The viewpoint that you have in the UK is very different to how everybody else sees the UK. And I don't think the UK are doing them, the UK government are doing themselves any favours by not having an exemption 
for uh, South American players to come and play for their teams. So it's yet to remain whether players in terms of FPL will be available or not. Really? Well, the UK government is not going to back down, I think, because they did it for the British Lions. So the British Lions went to South Africa, they came back, they all had to quarantine. So I, I don't see them changing the rules specifically for Premier League players, and I think that's a mistake. Um, therefore, you're on a collision course with FIFA, because FIFA are like, you have to let them go. That's part of the contract, that's part of the deal. What can FIFA do? Well, they can supposedly stop the player playing for five days after the after the transfer window. So you could have players missing game week four anyway. Whether that's just going to end up in some sort of court case and the Premier League players will play the players that they, they want to play um, and it then goes to court and they get a big fine from FIFA, that, that may happen. Um, but there's still levels of drama to unravel in all of this. Um, and maybe some players will be allowed to go. Cavani's come out on social media and clearly not very happy with not being allowed to play for Uruguay. So who knows what's going to happen. Mm. Exciting stuff. We'll see how it unfolds. So, Jordi, uh, you watched Brighton versus Watford at the weekend. I, I think I saw this as well. Um, uh, Brighton, two wins in two. Uh, I don't think any football fan will dispute that Brighton are a really good side. Very well organised, very controlled, solid defence. A good football side to watch. But ultimately, last season, they lacked a cutting edge. And without that cutting edge, they're hard to predict in FPL terms. So four goals in two games now. Uh, is there more of an edge this season or will Everton this week uh, prove a wall too big for the Seagulls? I think it will be one of the most interesting matchups of the weekend. Uh, one that will be hard to predict which way it will go. Uh, the bookies think this game is the game that is most likely to end up in a draw in the Premier League this weekend, which is interesting. Uh yeah, I think I think I agree with that. Although Liverpool Chelsea comes close in my opinion, with regards to a draw, and maybe Newcastle Southampton. But again, it's an interesting matchup. Brighton, as you say, are very well organized, very well drilled side. Um, I think we can all see they they've continued their form from last season. Although now they've started to show some end product on both sides as well. Won twice, scoring four goals from 2.7 xg. Although still a small sample size, conceding only one from 1.9 xga. The xga currently stands for fifth best of the league, so it's fair to say that, same as last season, their defenders look good value from an FPL point of view. Shane Duffy, for example, at the moment. I think we uh, we all know what uh, Shane Duffy is like and what he's capable of. There were some uh, some fans from Brighton and uh, Potter as well who weren't that fond of him last season, so he was loaned out. But he's come back and. Potter has spoken about him reintegrating in the team very well. So, yeah, I've taken the gamble. Although, yes, again, two games is only a small sample size and they faced um, Watford and Burnley. So, But I'm looking forward to see how they hold up against Calvert-Lewin and co. So are we thinking then, because we were all for DCL last week and that was last week. This is, but having seen Brighton myself, I mean, now I'm questioning whether DCL could actually do anything. They look very controlled. I mean, did you see this one, Will? Yeah, I wouldn't get, uh, I wouldn't rush to get DCL this week. I think I feel a little bit annoyed, a little bit disappointed that I only got one goal from um, from the Leeds game. Oh, I think yeah. he had, he was a whisker away from connecting from another chance. He had two more big chances. He could have had four goals, yeah. and I got one. So that's disappointing. I don't, and but you know, you you expect as we we said it from last season, you expect teams to get chances against Leeds. The other encouraging thing about Everton is they look really fit. I mean, part you know, Richarlison's 
basically has had no break. So he's just got his fitness from last season. Um, but the team as a whole look really fit. Uh, and to compete against Leeds, as they did, is uh, is a good sign. So that's a good sign for them going into the Brighton game. Brighton are not going to afford them any chances. So this no. is... he's Dominic Havilland is not going to get four chances or close to four goals that he did last weekend. He might get a goal if he's lucky. Great that he's on penalties, because if they do get a chance and he's he's there to convert that, hopefully. I don't necessarily think this is the week to get Dominic Calvert-Lewin against Brighton. I think Brighton are a good team. But um, but overall, we're talking like medium to long term. Yeah, yeah look straight at after Brighton. Yeah, definitely. You, you, you want, you want Calvert-Lewin. And Jordi, uh, Watford, just want to touch upon Watford. Uh, had a good start to the season at home. But against Brighton, they obviously... They were outmanaged and their attacking outfit of Saar and Dennis never never got a sniff, really. If we're banking on Watford points, should it only be for when they're playing at home in front of their own fans? Yeah, well, I don't think you can bank on Watford points any <laughs> any time soon. But as I've said, uh, with regards to Brentford as well, they Watford are a promoted team. And when they play the first game at home, it just gives them bit more of a of a cutting edge or how do you say that it's just it gets some more excitement and they will they will go more for it even though it sounds weird but i think it's true like we saw against villa but still last night they played against palace for the cup although with half a b side and they still they still won against the first team of palace which didn't rotate much so yeah I, i'm not that very fond of, of watford but i think uh yeah, against uh, as you say, against lesser sides, they maybe are interesting for uh, f- from an FPL point of view. Um, I think we've spoken about Sar last week. Yeah, I'm 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 still not that into him, but yeah, he could be one to watch. I think um, with teams like that, it's all about form, isn't it? As a as a fan of a team that got promoted to the Premier League, I can tell you from experience that you start well, then you have an awful winter. And then if you're lucky, come spring, you'll put a run together and save yourself from relegation. So I think uh, avoid them, avoid teams like Brentford and Watford in the middle of the season. That would be my instinctive thought. Yeah, I agree. I think just just on Watford again, I thought uh, Tom Cleverley after the match was talking about how it was a flat performance from them. They didn't do themselves justice. And I expect a reaction. I expect a performance. And it's like, yeah, they're coming to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Harry Kane's going to be playing. But they'll be playing in a big stadium too. And I've seen it. I've been there when teams come and they put on a good performance because this is like a, a big occasion for, you know, obviously it's a big occasion. It's a fantastic stadium. Everyone wants to play in that stadium. I expect a reaction from Watford. I don't expect Spurs to have the easy match everyone's expecting this weekend. We can talk maybe a little bit about Spurs. Yeah, let's now. talk about because you watched Wolves versus Spurs, Will, obviously. Yeah, I did. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so are Spurs going under the radar a little? I mean... Considering how Watford's attacking Jura managed out the game against Brighton, you'd imagine Nuno has the same coaching capabilities of doing that uh, as well. And then it'll be three and three, three clean sheets in a row. Then after that, it's Crystal Palace. Should we all jumped on Eric Dyer? And uh, and of course, who is taking the penalties? It's Harry Kane now, right? <laughs> yeah, Harry Kane. So yeah, we had a discussion about that. Had Deli Ali took the penalty last week, so Harry Kane now he's staying. We'll, we'll also be on them. I think if I'm perfectly honest, I think Spurs are lucky not to have conceded. I don't think they've been great defensively. In both the matches we've seen, we talked about goals change matches, they were counter-attacking in both those games because they scored early 
against Wolves, and that allowed them to to counterattack. I want to know how they play when they're in possession against a team that plays a bit deeper, that doesn't give them the space. And you know, that's that's again goals changing matches. I I'm still on the fence. Wolves should have scored, and Wolves are a good side. Wolves are a very attacking side. They will score. They scored, what, six in the League Cup, having not having taken 42 shots in the Premier League and not scored. I'm on the fence. I'm not I'm not interested in a Spurs defender at the moment. I don't think they're good enough at the back. Romero coming in might change that. He's an excellent defender. Um, but, you know, he played again. He, he, is he up to speed yet? I mean, he played in uh, Portugal last week where we lost 1-0. Um, in the European In the Vauxhall Conference, Conference yeah. 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 Uh, so that could change. I'm, yeah, as I say, I'm not strictly keen on Spurs defence at the moment. Matt, do you got anything you want to say on Spurs defence? No, only that I was thinking of bringing Dyer in this week. I didn't, so I would have been better off, obviously, with Ailing coming off the bench in place of uh, Matt Targa. Yeah, I suppose I'm, I'm kind of just lucky that Dyer didn't score a free kick or a header or something, so... I've done one of my transfers already, so I don't see myself getting a, a Tottenham defender in personally. Um, because I think if I do use that other transfer, it's probably going to be Salah to Son. But that depends on you know a lot of the international break things, and I'm, I'm kind of going off the idea now that Kane is back and he's you know he's going to have a hunger, um, and especially like Will saying there about Watford wanting to kind of you know put in a, a good comeback performance after last week so I'm kind of doubting that uh, that transfer now so I think Tottenham could keep a clean sheet against Watford I, I, I know they probably have been a bit fortunate in, in you know overperforming and keeping the clean sheet but yeah no I think they have enough to keep Watford out especially at home you know um, they've had a decent start with a win against Man City obviously two, two wins well last week as well so I, I definitely think the crowd's going to be behind them I think they'll have enough to get over the line. Whether it's 1-0 or 2-0, I'm not kind of too sure. But I think they'll have enough to keep off for now. I mean, you could you could imagine Saar giving Eric Dyer a torrid time, can't you? Yeah, I can imagine Saar giving all of our defenders a torrid time. I think... <laughs> it's like a true Spurs and, fan. And Watford, but Watford even, it's not just Saar. I mean, Dennis uh, and I can't, the name of the guy on the other wing escapes me. But they, they yeah, so they look, they look good. They're a good attacking team I think Useful, and, yeah. you know give them a bit of space and we, as we saw in game week one you know they'll they can run at you and they can cause problems and we'll going back to Wolves um how did Jimenez fare I mean he's played two 90 minutes now but I suspect uh there's a lot of work to be done there yeah I think the jury's slightly still out aren't they I mean you know a lot of this a lot of the commentators said he looks like he's mentally affected yeah from um yeah. the problem that may be the case I mean I'd sort of wait and the way the plan at the moment, you'd, you'd want to get Traore. He's the one getting the chances. Uh, and if you continue to get in a huge volume of chances, even Traore is going to score eventually. So he's the player I'd be most interested in. Will he stay at Wolves? There's also been rumours that he, he couldn't end up at Tottenham. Well, last night, last night Bruno Lager said that he expects Traore to still be at Wolves after the window. So that well, it was good more news or less confirms anything, but... I'm also interested in uh, in Trincao, uh, Will. What do you think of him? Well, he was a very good player. He's a very tidy player. He picks up space. He's got a strong shot. Um, he's got skill. He's good at playing in the passes. I, I see him as a link player rather than um, someone who's going to be on the end of loads of chances. Yeah. But he, he, he looks very good. He looks yeah, very he's tidy. Already, he's also had six shots already. 
four shots on target in two games. So he's he's shown good numbers at Barcelona and Braga. So he, he his price fell down to five one nine last night or the night before. So I was I was interested in Adama Traore. Still am obviously, but I think come game week four, game week five, I might be swayed to Trinsau. Yeah, I don't, don't know, know why. I, it's just the, the historical performances from Charay that, yeah, they, they don't yeah. exactly convince me. I would also pick out uh, Semedo. I think he's got he's he dropped already to four point nine. I think he probably slightly underperformed last season. There were good expectations of him when he arrived from Barcelona. I think he might benefit. He was again getting forward, getting to those attacking positions. If you want a player with attacking threat at that price range, we've talked about Soufal. I think you can add Semedo to that list as a player you could you could possibly target, and Tierney is the other one I would look at. I think all those all that three in the sort of five million ish price range could be very good value this season. Mm, nice. Uh, Wolves have Man United next, of course. Uh, they frustrated Man United in the past, but it's going to be a one nil win, Man United. Surely, I don't know. Yeah, look, Man United. I don't think we're. I thought. Southampton gave Man United problems and you could argue that that's how Man United set up and they didn't set up in the right way. And again, you'd expect a reaction. But the way Wolves are playing, I could see Wolves causing Man United problems. Um, and when Man United are caused problems by a team, they're not allowed to get on the front foot and, and do their thing, then uh, I I'm, not, I'm not too keen on, on a Bruno captain this weekend. I'm actually edging... We can maybe talk about this in a bit. I imagine towards the Lukaku captain. Well, let's talk. Oh, <laughs> let's talk captain. Someone just lit a bonfire. Let's he's do... going crazy, Alfie. He's going absolutely crazy. First, he's trying to put <laughs> Spurs in the underdog position against Watford, and now he tries to. And now he's going to captain Lukaku against Liverpool. Well, well uh, okay, Will. So here, okay. So you're thinking. I mean, I am excited. Lukaku's performance was pretty good, but you have to. <laughs> have to put it against the backdrop of Arsenal. So it's, it's but he could have had. I thought you I, liked Pablo Mari, Alfie, last season. Did, you were I all over Pablo Mari. He did, what happened good, to him? He's good for three weeks. Uh, Arteta's the problem. Arteta's the problem of Arsenal, as is Ollie's the Are problem. Are you blaming of Arteta, not Mari? No, but you know, that's the situation. It always comes down to the management and consistency, doesn't it? But Lukaku looked very good. I thought he could have had at least seven goals against Arsenal, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah. So I see, I see the benefit of bringing him this week. But the, the thing is, they are playing Liverpool uh, away. So it's at Anfield, the Anfield crowds. Jurgen Klopp has new eyes. He doesn't wear glasses anymore. But famously, I tend to avoid big fixtures because they always seem to be historically damp squids, like one nils or nil nils or one ones. So that would be my only doubt about Lukaku. But having said that, is he saw him scoring a goal? But then I think, well... Why would I trade out one of my other players who I think was called Agol as well? And that's why I'm tend to bring Rafinha in because I just think he looks awesome and Leeds will demolish Burnley. So go on, talk. let's talk Lukaku then because his price will rise. His price is rise. So it's about, it's about a case of when to bring him in, right? Yeah, partially. I also think the other thing to look at is the uh, Liverpool defence. I don't think they... We, we talked about Trent's ability to defend uh, before, which is not very not very high. I don't think Van Dijk's quite up to speed yet. They've conceded 16 shots in two games. They've played Norwich and Burnley, right? They kind of <laughs> their xG. They could have conceded three goals according to their xG. Well, it's 2.33, so maybe they should have conceded two. They could have conceded three. I'm not convinced they're that good. And let's think about the, let's think about how this match might unfold. I don't see 
I really rate, I've talked about this before, I really rate the Chelsea defence. I think Liverpool mm. are going to find it hard to score against them. So what happens in the game? I think Chelsea, if there's going to be a goal, I think Chelsea get it. If Chelsea get the goal, that changes the game. Uh, you know, goals change matches. That means Liverpool will probably go for it a bit more and leave more spaces behind, which I think Chelsea can exploit. I could see this being 2-0, 3-0 Chelsea. I'm, yeah, really? I'm, that, I'm that big on Chelsea in this game. I really don't think Liverpool are there yet. No, I'm not convinced by Liverpool either. I think I said that before the season. But can you see Lukaku scoring two goals or more? I can see Lukaku scoring goals, yeah. Uh, I can see him scoring I can see him scoring a goal. I can see him scoring two goals, yeah, absolutely. If they play Reese James, as I think they might, because I think playing him and maybe Ziyech as well even gives them the chances to get balls into the box for yeah. Lukaku. But they can play, you know, I thought the position of Havertz and Mounts was really good. The way they dropped off to find spaces, again, to thread the ball in. You saw the defenders playing the ball into Lukaku's feet when he turns and rolls. So they've got a dynamic attack. They play a possession-style football where they create chances and good quality chances. And they're difficult to break down. And I think they'll frustrate Liverpool. Exciting. So that's, uh, that's according to Will, Chelsea laying down a gauntlet, as we say. Uh, Jordi, have you got something to say about that? Yeah, well, as for Lukaku, I, I saw a tweet today, uh, and I quote, at Matt Kearney, 92. <laughs> Not to sound crass, but if you get Lukaku and he doesn't deliver as expected over the next four, you can't really complain. So Yeah, perhaps... completely agree. I completely agree. And the next match <laughs> Matt's is staying silent. <laughs> staying <laughs> silent. just smirking with his microphone <laughs> muted, laughing his head off. Look, the next match afterwards is Villa, okay? And I prefer to captain Lukaku against Villa. Villa, again, I don't think look very good um, defensively. You've got... The problem is Villa's game before you've got an international break. Maybe they can sort themselves out. Things can change. So it's a slight gamble. But I think Lukaku's the player I want captain against Villa. Uh, I agree on almost every aspect. But it's just... I, I think it's still too early to jump on Lukaku because you know, those those fixtures ju- just don't scream whole potential to me. He's going to play every week, though, and score every week, isn't he? He's a set and forget, isn't he? He just is. You, you'd hope he's the best attacking asset uh, in, in the Chelsea team. I agree. Look, the fixtures, if you look at them overall, and you look at, you'd say those aren't the best fixtures, but I'm looking at the quality of defending, the quality of defending yeah. I've seen from Liverpool, Aston Villa and Tottenham has not been what I expect it to be. And I think Lukaku can exploit that. Yeah, fair enough. So Will's going Lukaku, probably for the rest of the season as well. And uh, rightfully so, I think. Uh, Matt, what are you going to do? Got any Crystal Palace defenders in there you want to captain? Not at the moment, no. uh, um, Yeah, at at the minute it's on Antonio, just simply because, you know, West Ham are the farm team, they're the best XG, they're playing a team that's in a really tough spot at the moment. As I said, there's a lot of factors coming into play now after this international break that may go against Antonio, whether it's international break quarantine, whether it's rotation from Europa League, whether it's playing multiple games in a week will cause injury or fatigue or what. So I, I don't know when I will we'll get another chance to actually captain Antonio. So... Uh, no, I'm not saying I'm just going to cap him for that reason. I t- do think he's a genuine contender for a top scorer of the week. Um, if anyone's going to get a hat-trick, I think it could be a West Ham player against Palace. Sorry, did you say hat-trick or hamstring? Uh, a boat. <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll pull his hamstring celebrating his third goal. No, but uh, if I think if I do bring in Son for Salah, 
which I'm think I'm getting less and less likely about now as the days go on. Um, it, it may be some, but at the moment it's Antonio because I do think Wolves and United will be quite tight. Uh, it doesn't mean Bruno can't nick a goal or a penalty, especially after the news that Mike Dean is going to be reffing the game. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think I'm just going to play it safe and, and go with Antonio. Captaincy. Yeah, I very much welcome those points from Antonio, obviously, on Monday night, but it was disappointing that the mass has now leaned towards captaining him as well because I was already... He was already leading my captaincy poll pre-game week two, so for game week three. So, yeah, I, I'm on Antonio. Ings was my vice captain, but yeah, I don't know yet. But with Antonio being in such form and fit, I think when he plays, you, you've got to really back him, haven't you? There might not be another chance, like Matt says, in a way. Like, you mean for game week three? Or? Well, West Ham is such good form. I mean, not. I think they're a really good side. They have a lot of form throughout. But I just think yeah. at any minute, like we discussed, he could be injured. So whilst he's fit and healthy and West Ham are going well, yeah. why wouldn't you, you know? Well, we've spoken about it before. As long as he plays, as long as he stays fit, he's he's a 7.5, 7.7 now, almost 7.8 already. But he's an asset that performs like a premium asset. I think he's, he's the most standout captaincy option for this week. Hi, thank you for joining us on today's show. Uh, next week, we're not around because it's the international break. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but we're back the week after that. But if you're hungry for more info and more chatty chat for the uh, FPL, you can probably follow uh, Yordi and Matt and Will on Twitter. Uh, you can find Yordi at Yoki FPL, Matt, Matt Kearney 92 and Will is Top Marks FPL. You can see that in the blurb that I've put on for this episode. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at AlfPodsFF. I don't know if I'm any good on Twitter, I'll be honest with you. Uh, but anyway, uh, enjoy your game week. Good luck this game week. Plenty of permutations to go through. I know myself, I've gone through many. And uh, in my head, there's been a lot of discussions about wildcard. But don't listen to me. I'm not experienced. Listen to the guys. They know what they're doing. So I'll be asking them questions about that too. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to share the love if you enjoyed this. And good luck with Game Week 3. we see you on the other side. Will I, will I, will I be Magnus? I got to know I got to be that Magnus. <laughs>